goalposts out there. <laughs> um, so they tore down. <laughs> Tore down the goalpost in Norman, Oklahoma, which we know they don't do. And uh, I remember all, <laughs> I'm ashamed now because I wasn't celebrating. I'm like thinking, like, we just, whatever, it was one versus two. And I'm literally thinking, I got to get home. I got to get sleep because we got to, we got to, you know, I can't remember this case, Kansas or somebody the next week. We're going to get beat next week if I don't get home. So I'm literally driving through campus on the sidewalks. I got to get home. All these crazy people, you know, celebrating. And I got to get some sleep because, you know, we, I always, like, my role was the most important role. That's how I always felt. Head football, co- head football coach Brent Venables there talking about that I guess he was asked about you know thoughts about this series and memories and everything and, and he told some good memories last night um, now I I didn't even put it together at the time and or maybe I just don't remember Go but figure he played in we heard coach Stoops talk about the the game where they played against Nebraska in, in Tokyo in Tokyo and he talked about that last night and you know, how, how weird it was to go over there and the experience playing over there. The first college game he ever went to was uh, a Nebraska game. He went with his, his at the time, girlfriend and her family to Lincoln for a game. And, God, did they play Kansas? I can't remember who they played. He told that. a story today about when uh, they would go drive to see the grandparents. They'd be mm-hmm. in Nebraska. They'd pull off on the side of the road and go get some of that sweet corn. Yeah. <laughs> Just like go pick it off of a to go pick it off somewhere and then get back in the car and drive off. You do that in Fort Gibson. Dick Sheffield shows up with a shotgun. Hey, and scattered no doubt gun. about that. <laughs> uh, why? That's that's really cool. Everyone, but. D- Doug from Norman thought that that was awesome to hear uh, Brent Venables get. I mean, he got choked up today thinking about that 2000 memory. Like, why do you think he got that emotional though? Thinking about that game. Um, I think it was probably because, uh, at the time he didn't have a, not that he didn't have a chance, but didn't feel like he had a chance to to like relish the moment or think about it or uh consider how big of a uh, of a a celebration that was because he was so concerned about the next game and not messing it up and not screwing it up and making sure that he was you know rested so he could get up there and start over on the next week and you know probably you look back and you know there's a lot of things like like you wish you would have maybe taken it in a little bit differently or 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 said something a little bit different to to your players or to your the other coaches on the staff i mean it it at the time everything considered that was and maybe still is the most important win of his life maybe um and Nebraska beating Nebraska meant something to him. I mean, growing up in Salina, Kansas in the sure. 90s, he knew what Nebraska was. Playing against them, coaching against them. Like, Kansas State, as good as they were in the 90s, they still couldn't beat Nebraska, and they finally did it in 1998. And right. it still might be 
the single most important win for Kansas State football in its history. Certainly, it's it's up top on the list, beating well, Nebraska in 98. If you go to their games now, you would think that the only uh, the game they've ever won is the 2003 Big 12 championship game. That's true. Way to go on Jeez. that one, dude. Um uh, OU Nebraska yes. game was his first college game in Lincoln, by the way. Oh, it was OU. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. It was OU Nebraska, and I think he said it was 88, the 88 game. So yeah. so he knows. He knows what it means. There's there's no doubt. I am. Uh, I don't know if I'm surprised about this, but the tone from the text line today has been nervous about this thing. And I think where all the nerves come from is I think most fans that are nervous – it stems from Scott Frost being fired on Sunday, and it's, oh, God, they're going to play one game of their life with the interim head coach on Saturday, and it's against us. Go figure. Good, good. That's a good thing. I like that everyone's on edge. Everyone understands there, I, I, the look, situation. We, we got some 38-17s and some 41-10s, but not a lot, man. There's some people like really nervous and concerned about this game. I've seen – I've also seen several people – Pick the upset loss. And, you know, interestingly enough, I can see the text that they've sent previously just above them. Quit being a homer was, was one of them. Quit being a homer. Nebraska. There was another one that said um, Kayla Williams is going to win the Heisman Trophy. So I kind of get where they're coming from on those things. Those aren't – which, hey, you got to have it. I It's – you don't just want um, – Sooner fans through and through that are going to pick them to win every week, and I don't think we we necessarily have those fans, and I I don't think it's a you never know in college football, but it's hard to look at it's hard to look at this game and say that Nebraska is going to win it. Now we never know what happens in college football. We just watched uh, App State beat A and M. We've we saw Notre Dame lose to Marshall. You just never know. And Nebraska's got good players. They've got big, physical D1 players. Like, it could happen. I'm not saying that it couldn't. OU's going to – I mean, if you thought OU played bad in the first time, I mean, it's going to take that level of performance for more than one half for the – I think for Nebraska to win on Saturday. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you're going to be walking out of that game saying – Golly, OU just did. I mean, what what are they doing on some of these things? They they, they gave away a ton of opportunities, right? Um, and and someone on the text line from the nine one eight says this is our trap game. I I don't think that this qualifies as a trap game because we've had this game circled for about six months now. We've been talking for six months about how tough of a game that this could potentially be. Like this game, like a trap game to me is one that catches you by surprise. No one was thinking that it could be a close game or you could lose. I think that's the exact opposite with this game. Right. I don't I don't think it counts as a trap game. Yeah, I I don't either. Um now it, I guess it could by the way Nebraska started the season Maybe it has turned into a, a trap game because perhaps someone has dismissed it with the way that they, they've started, 1-2, and two, almost 0-3. Oh so I, I guess it could turn into that. But I, to me, the trap game well, – like, I don't even think it's a trap game. Kansas State. We didn't talk about it much before the season, but – Kansas State and 
I'm not saying Kansas is is great, but Kansas is going to beat some teams that they shouldn't this, they this season. They already beat one. Yeah, teams much better than West Virginia. I think that they they're going to have a shot at. So I, you know, I don't know what happens. I don't know, but it would be a it would be very disappointing to lose to Nebraska. Um, I feel like I know what the overwhelming response is going to be, but I'm still interested in the in the uh, answers nonetheless. Text line. Going into this game, you got more faith in the OU offense or the OU defense right now? Woo. OU defense has only given up one touchdown on the year through two games this year. I'm guessing that's going to be the overwhelming answer. Um, I'll be interested to see the end results here in about 45 seconds when all these pour through. Yeah. But I um, – and maybe this is the kiss of death right here. I feel pretty good. I feel, I feel good about the OU defense. This is the best offense that OU is going to face so far. I definitely think that's the case. Um, but at the same time, I feel good about where this OU defense is at right now. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that they're going to hold Nebraska to three points. I think Nebraska is going to have some moments offensively. But their ability to limit big plays is why I feel so good about them at this point. And their, and their ability to get pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. So far, so far, they've done a really good job of that. They haven't given up a deep ball yet. No. Kent State tried, man, with Kent their dude State at tried. wide receiver, but it didn't happen. Didn't happen, and and that's that's and really impressive. Nebraska will try too. Nebraska will try, will try, and you just you got to believe that like our defense is going to play better than their defense. Our offense, although I wouldn't say that our offense has through four full quarters yet clicked like we've expected them to um you're getting a starting offensive lineman back how big of an impact does that make this week I'm not sure I I kind of I wouldn't be surprised maybe if we saw um like a shuffling of the lineup some somehow if maybe you had Wanye Morris playing a guard or something like that or if he's at tackle maybe you had a Savion Bird yeah Trying, trying to play so some guard. By, by that, you think that you don't feel great about McCade Matoyer uh, starting this week? N- no, 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 no. I, I have Matoyer. no idea. I haven't, I've, I haven't talked to anyone about it. I've got no inside it, information. But it definitely is a possibility after the first two games. There's no doubt it's a possibility because you finally have a chance to put your your best five out there, and I don't know what Beanbo thinks of that. Does that mean that his best five is just Guyton out and Morris in? Or does his best five mean Morris in, uh, Mataller out? I, I don't know well, what that and, means. And that, but that's what's interesting is normally going into a game where someone's been injured or suspended or whatever – there's really two offensive line combinations that we're talking about. Well, it's either going to be this or it's this, and you debate on which five you like better. I mean, how many potential offensive line combinations exist for Saturday? Much more than just two, what, how, how much we normally talk about. There's like four or five different offensive, com- offensive line combinations that they could roll with in yeah. this game. Yeah, I think there's, there's a chance you see Wanye just in for Guyton. I think there's a chance you see Wanye Morris in for Matalier. I think there's a chance you see 
Wanye in for Guyton and maybe Sexton or Taylor in for Metallier. I think there's I think there's a couple of different moving parts there. I have no idea which one you might see. I don't think we've seen enough of the true freshman yet to feel like that is yeah. one of the biggest possibilities. I would say right now I'd put it at like 60% Wanye in, Guyton out. 20% Wanye to left guard for Metallier. And then, you know, whatever combinations you can think of are – left with that, that 100% small. that Wanye Morris starts <laughs> essentially yeah he's going to be back in the starting lineup yeah. um I, and I, I think I would be shocked if you don't have Harrison at left tackle Rame at center Murray at right guard yeah like those three I feel like are going to be locked hey, in and, and we'll break down this game all week long uh every which way we can but man we're sitting here on Tuesday you tell me how well the offensive line plays or how poorly they play. I feel like I can almost pinpoint what the what the game's going to look like. If yeah. this offensive line plays well, then forget about it, man. OU wins, running away, and they're going to cover that 11.5, 12 points, whatever it's at. Offensive line plays poorly. Like, Nebraska's going to have to – if Nebraska has any prayer of winning – their D-line got to dominate OU's offensive line and limit OU's run game. If that happens, sure, they absolutely have a chance, but that is the absolute number one must for Nebraska. If they cannot dominate OU's offensive line or win that battle, then they don't have a chance to win, in my opinion. Because if OU's offensive line plays well, they're running the ball, they're going fast, and that terrible Nebraska defense might give up 600-plus yards like they did to Georgia Southern last week. Right. Here's what I – Here's what I would prefer to see against Nebraska. Harrison at left. Savion Bird at left guard. Rame at center. Chris Murray at right guard. Wanye Morris at right tackle. Okay, I'm down with that. That's what I would prefer to see. Nebraska is – they are – they're big at their interior defensive line and their defensive ends. Are, one of their defensive ends is huge. I think he's, I think he's too big and too slow to be there, frankly. But um, you know they're big and they're physical, and you know they're going to be hard to push around. A lot of those guys on their inside have really long arms. Um, you know, six six, three hundred plus pounds, six five, three hundred plus pounds. Those guys are going to be hard to move off the spot, and right. Bird, Savion Bird is the nastiest. Murray's pretty nasty too, but he doesn't have the tools that Savion Bird does. Like we need some of that nastiness on that offensive line yeah. right now. Hearing Nebraska talk, I mean Nebraska had they had a pretty good defense last year, but what they lost is they lost some space uh, eaters on the inside. They lost that Darian Daniels guy, and some of those guys that they lost on the defensive line, those backers that they have back this year aren't playing as well because the defensive line's not as good. They lost a nickel from a year ago that played like four years at that position. Like, it sounds like they lost some really key pieces defensively, and they are scrambling and struggling trying to find guys to replace those dudes, especially up front. Right. You know one of the guys that that's there that's kind of been uh, – that didn't get talked about a lot? It was kind of a pretty big story um, – 
Oh, Sean Mathis. I know. He, they, um, because that went on for a while. Mm-hmm. He left TCU, and didn't he have one pretty good year at TCU? Yeah. He had a ton of sacks. He was one of the better defensive players, I think, in the portal this last cycle. He, in it, 2020, he had a nine-sack season. Yeah, and has he really done anything of note so far there? He had four sacks last year. I feel like he was um, – I feel like last year maybe he was banged up for a, a portion of the season. And so far this year, he's, he's had a sack, a couple of tackles, um, nothing really big, but – like whenever he was in the portal, there, like whenever it first happened, there was a lot of talk yeah. about Texas really he wanted him. Yeah. Obviously, Nebraska really, and that kind of went on for a while. But yeah, he he hadn't really done much. Their defensive line's just has not played well. Has not played well at all. They're they're giving up what I say like two hundred and twenty yards a game rushing, something like that. It's uh, it's definitely over two hundred. And that's not what you – yeah, they're at two oh like 207 yards a game rushing, and they've played Northwestern, North Dakota, and Georgia Southern. I, and I know some of these offenses from, from these uh, smaller conferences can do some wild things and put you in some tough spots, but, you know, rushing is, is, the, is the one place that you feel like you'd be able to – to really yeah, slow that and, and down. there's not even at least one game so far through Nebraska to where you say, all right, well, you know, they lost these two games, but at least in this one you could see something. They really dominated this. No, I mean, in the one game they won, it was 17-all late in the third quarter against North Dakota. Yeah, it was it was 17-all in the fourth quarter, um, tied at seven at halftime. Against North Dakota, yeah, it's so they they just haven't shown that they're any sort of a good football team yet. Yeah, and I know that makes everyone even more nervous about Saturday. But you know what, though, everyone's going to be. I I, look, there is nothing that you or I or anyone can say to change the nervous fans' minds' opinions, and that's fine. I kind of fall in that category a little bit. I mean, a lot of people are going to be nervous until we kick this thing off. There's this is a really good opportunity to show that there's a different mindset with this football team this year compared to previous years. Last year, everyone dead set that we were going to beat Nebraska by 50 points, right? Just because there's no way they can keep pace with our offense. Well, they had a chance to win it late. Um, We had a couple of amazing plays. That was the DJ Graham interception game, right? Yep. Um, so, I if with all things considered, if you go up there and and do what you should do to an inferior team, despite the fact that it's a traditional matchup, despite the fact that there's going to be a full house, wild, tons of fans traveling there, despite the fact that they just got a head coach fired and it's going to be a a really emotional football team taking the field that is going to be pulling out all the stops. If you can go up there and do what you're supposed to do to a team like this, in my opinion, that shows a big step forward in maturity, in in buttoning down the details, being more focused at the at the job at hand. Totally agree. And that won't be the case on college football final or nationally or anything like that. The storyline will be, well, more of the same for Nebraska. They tried an interim head coach, but they still got blasted. 
But people around here should really be – I think people around here should really pay attention to that if that's the case. That's the feel-good moment coming out of the game if that's how they handle it. That, that, that'll show me something if that's what they do. And you called this a, lose, a lose-lose game, and I, I agree result-wise. Like No one's going to give us a pat on the back for beating Nebraska right after they got their coach fired. I, I understand that. But, you know, there is the – like what we just talked about, that there's some positives that you can come out of it. Like the fans and the team themselves can look at as a positive. On the flip side, this is – it's not losing to Appalachian State. I think we all understand that. It might be worse than losing to Appalachian State at this point. Well, that my point is it's the same in a sense that there is no recovery – from this game there's no playoff for losing this game agree as a one loss conference champ so that's the that's the harsh stark reality of it all right quick timeout more from the rush coming up final hour rolls on next this is the ref sports radio network Wake up with Toby Rowland. Not much to talk about. We'll figure out a way to cobble our way through three hours. And T.J. Perry. (laughs) What a bomb. (laughs) What a complete bomb. The T-Row in the morning show. There's the interim head coach for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, Mickey Joseph. He's saying Nebraska does not have a losing culture. Is he right about that? Haven't won a lot of games recently. Been a long time since they've been to a bowl game. Uh, Traditionally, he's right. They do not have a losing culture. Traditionally, Nebraska is a – a fantastic football program. However, recently, it's. I'm. I'm not going to say they they have a losing culture, but they can't find their winning culture. You know, it's, I'll I'll say I'll just go ahead and say it. They have a losing culture there. Hmm. You're losing to Georgia Southern and yeah. Illinois and Northwestern and everyone else. I mean, you can't even beat. Bad non-conference opponents. Yeah, that's that's what that is. Right. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is though. Are people still, um, are are Nebraska fans and people talking about that job still uh, insane with the n- names that they're throwing out there? I mean, I think the most insane name, like if if you arrive at Urban Meyer, then that is kind of peak insanity at this point, and a lot of well, them are at, at Urban Meyer. Deion Sanders was on. I don't. I think Urban Meyer is way better than Matt Campbell, Mark Stoops, or who's the other one that we were hearing? Uh, Kyle Whittingham, or Whittingham. Urban Meyer is uh, a much better option than any of those. And even if you think. Urban Meyer is a good idea. I think even Urban Meyer would say, eh, I'm out on the Nebraska job. I think everyone sees that job for what it is at this point. Yes, they can pay a whole lot of money to you, but I just I think everyone sees it as, yeah, it's a dead-end job that no one can win at right now. Yeah. You know, here's the thing with, with Urban Meyer. I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, 
on this, but I feel like he burned a lot of his uh, – he just wins everywhere capital with that Jacksonville well, job. He probably had the worst tenure in NFL history. It was ugly. I mean, it, it, it had to have been. Like, he didn't even last a full year. The, the things that he – Grinding on people after yeah. loss. I mean, it was awful. Yeah, and not players like not not like a uh, not like grinding is in making things difficult for the players. You're talking about grinding. Um, oh yeah, no G on that. I guess grinding. Is grinding. What I meant. Here's the here's the th- the play with Urban Meyer though. He has like if you could if if you are savvy enough, you can play to his ego properly and and get him interested in that job and let the his naked friend run around and uh hit hit the bong the entire time yeah. like in the boat video in that the he reflection had. of yes. the uh yeah. the door in the background yeah. yeah i he is he is um he has enough ego to say that nobody can win at nebraska okay watch this now it doesn't mean that he would but I could see him, for that reason alone, trying to get back in the good graces of the football world, trying to uh, trying to win at Nebraska. But outside of that, crazy. I don't know why I pay attention to the uh, playoff predictor on ESPN, but here we go. Okay. So OU started off the season with like a 12% chance to make the playoff, I think it was. And Texas had a 13% chance, which we initially rolled our eyes at that and said, okay, that's stupid, but whatever. And then it dropped last week. OU dropped from like a 12% chance to make the playoff to a 6% chance after a win at UTEP, which I said, huh, that doesn't make any sense. That's interesting. And then now, after beating Kent State, they're all the way down to a 5% chance to make the playoff. And Texas is at a 19% chance to make the playoff with a 1-1 one ro- one record. Texas well, has lost a game this year. They've gotten better percentage chances, according to this playoff predictor, to make the playoff. OU's 2-0, and yeah. they've dropped significantly. They've got the same odds as Utah right now, who's lost a game. Worse odds than Mississippi State at 2-0. and um, Michigan State, Penn State, Tennessee, I don't know what their formula is, but when it comes to OU, I don't understand what I mean how they're coming up with this at well, all. Well, it it has to do with their predictions on how the rest of how you're how you're gonna do in the rest of your schedule. And the prediction changed when they saw Texas lose a game close to Alabama. Like that I don't know if you can look at the FPI or whatever on that game now? Yes, you can. Uh, Texas has a 63.8% yeah. chance to beat OU. Based off of losing to Alabama. That's, Correct. So, yes. so that is – that's the real meat and potatoes of that, that percentage drop there. Let's see. They say OU has a 5% chance to make the playoff. Let's say one loss – their one loss comes to Iowa State, and yes, they win the conference title game. Huh. One loss OU would just have a 62% chance to make the playoff, says uh, huh. the predictor. If they lost to Iowa and State. I, I Do it that, if they lose to Texas. I did that same situation, that that same, uh, all that, mm-hmm. um, two weeks ago, and it was like an 85% chance to make the playoff. I'll do, I'll do Texas here. I'll do Texas. If their only loss is to Texas and 
they um, still win the conference, it'll be like a 99%. They have a 66% chance huh. to make the playoff with their one losses to Texas. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, the interesting one is, and I did this earlier today, Texas already has one loss. So, I I guess this is factoring in that the committee won't view this as a loss at all for Texas, that mm-hmm. Alabama game. Texas is at one and one. I'll say uh, Texas has uh, one loss. Their one loss is to Oklahoma. Yes, they win the conference title game. 61% chance to make the playoff as a two-loss conference uh, champ. Well, you just put one loss on there, though. Oh, was that? I thought it was one more loss from now towards the end of the year. Oh, maybe it is. I didn't read what the explanation above that. So anyway, yeah, you may it's, be right. it's, it's crap, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Let me ask you honestly. Did Texas look better in their loss to Alabama than Oklahoma has looked in their wins against UTEP and Kent State? No. No? No. I mean, yeah, I guess Texas looked good against Alabama, but at the same time, my God, Bama had the most penalties they've had in the Nick Saban era. Like, I've seen OU play – I've seen OU play a first quarter against UTEP and a third quarter against Kent State where we all sat back and said, dang, that team is balling right now. Yeah. So, no, I would would not say that about Texas. No. Okay. I mean, I guess you have to give them some credit for playing Alabama close, but I'm not willing to give them that much credit. Right. I, it, it's wild, um, some of the top 25 stuff. Like Texas A&M is a top 25 team still after losing to Appalachian State. And who'd they play in week one where they looked terrible? They played, uh, oh gosh, who was it? Some no name. I totally forget who it is. Wow, why am I blanking? They won like 31 nothing. I think. It had a weather delay in it. Sam Houston. Sam Houston. Um, they're still a top 25 team, but Kansas State is not. Kansas State would drum Texas A&M right now. Would not be close. Let's get to a few texts before we hit a break. It's a win if you blow Nebraska out. That's a comment from it's a lose-lose situation for OU this week. Yeah, I, I guess what we're saying is uh, even if you blow Nebraska out, the majority of – like we're not talking locally. We're, we're talking as like the people that make the percentages on that college football playoff situation we are just looking at. Like if you blow Nebraska out, the reaction – like by most college football pundits across the country will be, of course you blew them out. They just lost to Georgia Southern and their head coach was fired. Dion would be genius. Nebraska needs athletes. He would be good for that part, getting athletes to Lincoln. Perhaps. Now, the Dion thing is, you know, it's interesting to a certain degree, but at some point it, the project has to turn into something. And he's got to start putting players in the league, and you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, there has to be something there. It just can't be a. I, it's been a lot of hype so far. You know what I'm saying? Remember when uh, 
Dion got mad at his team for not flushing what he calls yeah. booty paper. Yeah. That's been the highlight, I think. Uh, other than getting Travis Hunter last year in recruiting, that's probably been the highlight. Well, he almost got his foot cut off. He had uh, some stuff stolen out of his Hummer SUV, and he had some stuff stolen out of his office. You guys are sleeping on the corn job, 100% better than the Iowa State job. A culture no coach way. like Matt Campbell or Chris Kleiman or Dorn can definitely win there. No. Uh, it is not better than the Iowa State job and the Kansas State job, and I'll tell you why. Expectations. Well, It's not even that. If you go to Nebraska – you're going to have to go through Ohio State to get to the playoff. right? Oklahoma and Texas, the two teams that have all of the talent in the Big 12 are leaving. And the Big 12 is still going to be a Power 5 conference. We've got an expanded playoff coming. And both of those teams are going to be in the, in the power vacuum, have an opportunity to – to really do something special in the Big 12. Two more, and we'll hit a break. I don't think Wanye Morris is a savior. He barely saw the field last year. I am skeptical that he's improved that much. I hope I am wrong. Nebraska will score at least 21. Can our O-line block well enough for the offense to score more? Well, that is the question, isn't it? Yeah. The question entering this game. Yeah, the the Wanye Morris thing is, is interesting. I, I think Wanye Morris at right tackle – Helps out quite a bit, but like the like, you there's got to be more like helping at right tackle and having a a big like he was the starter at right tackle. So to say that he's not going to help them having a starting tackle back is just wrong. It, it will help, but the, it's not going to be it's not going to fix everything. They also have to fix or get much better play at left guard. And by him coming back, hopefully that affords them the the opportunity to make some moves there at left guard, perhaps. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Stay tuned. The Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour of the rush. We need to table all of the conversations about who's the uh, next head coach at Nebraska going to be because Text Line nailed it like they always do. Um, they figured out the name. He is available. Yes, this person is right. He is the ideal next head coach for the University of Nebraska. <laughs> There you go, Huskers. There's your next head coach. Oh, wow. And can we please, unlike last time, if I play that, can we not make this political and just realize it's Lou Holtz and it doesn't really matter? Come on. Please, text line. Right. Can we treat it like it's just Lou Holtz saying something? Oh, wow. That's uh, that's funny. Lou Holtz. Who's, um, <sighs> through two games, who's pleasantly surprised you about how well they played on this team? And don't tell me anybody. Nobody. 
unpleasantly uh, Reggie Grimes. Yeah, that's what he's got. Three is yeah, three and a half or four and a half sacks now. He had two and a half and then added one and a half. He right? had a, okay. So yeah. four. Um I I say Reggie Grimes offensively. No one yet. Huh? No one yet. Expected it out of Dylan Gabriel, expected it out of Marvin Mims. I guess Ma- Major Marcus Major is fair. Uh, he's been good. Best running back they got, like you said earlier. <laughs> he's been good. I guess it's he's not – it hasn't shocked me, but um, he, he's been good. He's been good. Not, he's, it's not necessarily a surprise, but he's, he's met or exceeded expectations. So, uh, anyone else? Billy Bowman expected it. Danny Stutzman expected it. Yeah. Uh, uh, kicking, that's been a pleasant surprise. And the return game, also been a pleasant surprise. I th- I think – Marvin Mims is going to take a pump back to the house this year. He's I think that's going to happen, and I think Bauman is going to take a kickoff return back. And I like that we've been incredibly uh, aggressive bringing those out. It's been good. And hopefully that continues, and I expect it will, especially in games whenever – you feel like you've got a, a pretty big advantage and and a lot can be gained. I, I've heard some people complain about the uh, kickoff returns out of the end zone. They only get it to, you know, the 18-yard line. See, I mean, that's why that's why you just fair catch it. It didn't work out that particular time. And in that moment, I guess you're right about it. Have I still you really be, heard people complain about that? Yeah, I still want to be aggressive, man. I don't care because – not every single time are you going to return it to just the 18-yard line. At some point, you're going to break one, and it's going to be a huge play in the football game. Uh, who Did you just like happen to overhear that? Yeah, I ho- overheard it at the game is where it happened. No one directly said it to me. Oh. Fire now, catch it is basically what I heard. Oh, man. That is grounds for removal, in my opinion. Now, I will say that Bowman – if he's catching it in the end zone, you should never bring it out of the end zone if you don't have a rocker step, which is like you've placed your feet perfectly staggered and you like you rock back and you catch the football coming forward. Yep. He brought one out Saturday where he caught it backpedaling and brought it out. That You should never do that. And – Usually, you don't bring it out more than two yards deep. But I honestly don't care. He can bring it out eight yards deep if he wants to, if he's got a good step and he's ready to bring it out. You apply the pressure to teams like Kent State and UTEP that don't have the talent that you have. And this text is right on. Returning them is about being aggressive. I love it. And, yes, you take the good with the bad. No doubt. Because at some point, it's going to be the biggest play in a football game, and it might be the reason you win. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll come back and wrap things up next. Stay tuned.